Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Isn't it interesting? This one feels overwhelming to me right now. I feel overwhelmed. <laughs> Because you're trying to take on too much at once. I probably am. You're trying to get your head around it. The poets don't go mad, right? Chess players do because the poet merely asks to get his head into the heavens. It is the mathematician that asks to get the heavens into his head, and it is his head that splits. So I'm a mathematician? (laughs) (laughs) Or a chess player? I think the analogy just broke down. Oh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back, friends. This is John Eldridge and Craig McConnell, and we are stumbling our way into the next podcast wondering, um, oh my goodness, uh, God, what do we believe about God? What are our core assumptions? Um, what are our core assumptions about God? What's Jesus's assumptions about God? And um, Craig, you brought in this A.W. Tozer quote. Do you mind if I, oh, if I read a piece of it here? It's great. The most portentous fact about any person is not what they at a given time may say or do, but what they in their deep heart conceive God to be like. I mean, just take note, deep heart, Mm -hmm. what they conceive God to be like, that our idea of God correspond as nearly as possible to the true being of God is of immense importance to us. Compared with our actual thoughts about him, our creedal statements are of little consequence. Our real idea of God may lie buried under the rubbish of conventional religious notions and may require a vigorous search before it is finally unearthed and exposed for what it is. Oh, my goodness. It's just huge. It's huge. I I mean, that's the introduction in Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, a book that Craig and I both love. But, I mean, Tozer's point is, you know, the truth is what you believe about God has very little to do with your creedal statements, your theology, your doctrinal positions. It's going to be flushed by life. It's going to be flushed by, you know, um, hardship, disappointment, heartbreak. I mean, that's, that's where what we believe about God um, get surfaced. But I don't want to start there. I don't want to start with suffering. don't want to push into those issues. Um, there's something about the coming of Jesus that is so profoundly disruptive about God hmm. that, that if we start there, it will flush all other things. Hmm. So the book of Hebrews chapter 1 says this, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Hmm. And so there's, there's something about the coming of Jesus Christ that is so specific. It is earth-shaking. It is a tectonic shift. 
in the religious history of mankind. The specificity of Jesus Christ is so disruptive because I think that I think one of our core assumptions about God is that we really would prefer he keep his distance mm-hmm. and just let us get on to previous podcasts, what we think life is about, you know, or at least be cooperative, you know, in what life is about. And there's something about Jesus of Nazareth stepping into the scene that is so utterly specific personality, characteristics priorities, values, mm-hmm. tone of voice, mm-hmm. sense of humor. There's something so specific about him that I think it begins to flush our assumptions about God. I mean, just Jesus with God as Father. I mean, Jesus' casual, intimate relationship with God. Abba. Abba. Papa. I mean, for the Jews, that was just outrageous. They just couldn't take it. God is behind the Holy of Holies. There's curtains and veils and shrouds and temple protocol and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that, you know. Or for the Greeks, you know, God is is far more esoteric and theoretical and and almost a philosophical proposition, the ultimate other, you know, the Mm -hmm. perfect mind behind the universe and such. But here you have Jesus coming in and talking to God. As Abba, Papa, whoa, it just flushes our our core assumptions about God. Mm-hmm. So, John, this is a limited podcast, but having written the book on Jesus, Beautiful Outlaw, what have you learned about God? Um, that only some people want him. Hmm. I really think this has to be core to our assumptions about God. I know, I know, I I know we think that if people could just get a genuine look at God through Jesus Christ, if we could know his heart, if we could know his beauty, his goodness, his playfulness, people Mm. would just flock to him in droves. Mm. But, But it's not true. It's not true. And I think that's one of the assumptions that really got shaken in me. I just thought people are gonna run to Jesus, if they could just know him as he is. I think the truth is that the human heart is pretty ambivalent toward God. Hmm. I think we're angry. I think we're disappointed. I think we see God as the massive disruption in our lives. And therefore, most people just don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to deal with the question of God. Hmm. And I know, I know, I know. I mean, they've been presented with some horrible views of God from various denominations in the church and and whether Protestant or Catholic and, and from the cults and the world. I know, I know there's just a thousand wacky versions of God out there. But my assumption was if people could get a really good look at God, they would run to him. Hmm. But look at what happened with Jesus. The reality is we got that look. Yeah. The world had that experience. He literally stepped into our story, you know, and some people loved him. Some people did, but not everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's just got to be core to unsurfacing assumptions about God, you know. Say that assumption again then. That not everyone wants him. Hmm. Not everyone wants him. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought they did. I thought they would. I thought if we could just get a compelling picture of Christ, um, 
And so, again, what's difficult about this podcast is you almost have to divide this up into groups. Whose core assumptions? So you're talking about God. And, and since we're talking about our listeners, yeah. I, I think we stay there. I think we need to say as far as we're concerned, gang, there isn't anything that's going to surface your assumptions about God like suffering. Mm-hmm. There isn't anything that's going to surface your – you know, as Tozer said in that opening quote, what you really believe about God, the core assumptions you're making about him. Oh my goodness! It's it's buried beneath all kinds of stuff. But I think it's surfaced in a number of ways. I think you can just simply look at the way you pray. Mm-hmm. How do you pray? How often do you pray? How do you even look at prayer? You know, and uh-huh. reveals assumptions about God. But you're talking about more than just behaviors like praying or actions and things. When you say, "How do you pray?" Um, what are you addressing? What are you speaking to there? How many times in a day does the average Christian say, Jesus, help me with this? Mm-hmm. The average Christian, in yeah. your experience, counseling tons and tons and tons of people. Um, only when they're confronted with a problem or an issue that seems beyond their control. Right. So not often, um, for the most part. Occasionally. That's what I mean. That surface is an assumption, and the assumption is God's, um, what? He's either distant Mm-hmm. Or he's not available uh, mm-hmm. for help. He's inaccessible. Or um, I don't really need him to make mm-hmm. life work. It's see what I'm saying mm-hmm. that yes. the infrequency of, of prayer surfaces for us. Man, just some huge core assumptions. Mm-hmm. I think the intimacy of prayer surfaces assumptions. You know, I've just been in far, far, far too many settings of really good people. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. talking people who are completely totally committed Christians, but their prayers sound like, our, um, our Father in heaven, we come to you now to beseech your help and to ask your involvement here in our lives today. I mean, it's formal. Mm-hmm. It's distant. It sounds like we're bothering him. Mm-hmm. It isn't Abba, Papa. Mm-hmm. So that would be another example, mm-hmm. I think, not just how often we pray, but 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 the tone of our prayers, the mm-hmm. the quality of them, mm-hmm. um, I mean, just to be really disruptive. I mean, Abba, Papa, like, is that kind of informality in our prayers? Because if it's not, it reveals core assumptions we're making about God. Mm-hmm. Jesus thought he was really accessible, super close, and that the relationship was meant to be, listen carefully, immensely informal. Mm-hmm. Informal. And, oh, man, that's disruptive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that how you hear people pray? Immensely available and immensely informal? Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm something in me just begging for you to say other categories besides prayer. I mean, you made that so clear that whether we pray and how we pray, frequency and worship would seem like another another one for me, John. Um Experientially, I have a a worship playlist on my uh, phone and my uh, computer, and it takes about three songs, if that, uh, and I'm in the presence of God, and everything finds its proper place. And I just compare that to as a pastor for 28 years singing hymn number 478, stanzas one, three, and four, and just the difference Mm. of turning to God in desperate need Mm. and he's there. Mm. I mean, he Mm. really is accessible Mm. 
present, um, almost waiting for us to come to him. Oh, my goodness. That's just so disruptive. I mean, so there's another category, gang, is you want to know what you think about God? Look at your worship. Again, the frequency of it, the intimacy of it, whether it feels like an encounter or an obligation, you know, whether you're worshiping a distant, 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 distant God on his throne somewhere or or something that's heart to heart, that's a love expression. I mean, oh, my goodness. Just what a great category. Um, Here's another one. Here's another one, and this is big. You want to know what you think about God? Um, watch how you react to suffering. Hmm. Yours and those you care about. I mean, it just exposes so much. I, um, my son is suffering right now. Uh, I just got off the phone with him this afternoon uh, during lunch, and and uh, he's in a bad place, and, and life's not going well. And... and uh, hmm. And I'm sorry to say that my reaction is fear, hmm. fear for him. I care for him. My reaction is not a settled assurance that God is very close and immediately working on on my son's behalf. You know, that's not my assumption. My, my reaction betrays my assumption. My reaction was fear for one I love. And therefore, the assumption about God that's being exposed is he isn't going to do anything about this. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate yes. that. I don't want that to be true of my assumption about God. Yes. But gang, this is why it's so important how you approach worldview. This could be a totally intellectual exercise. Yeah. But as Tozier was saying, listen, what you really believe is way down in your heart. And if you don't engage the heart in this, this whole thing is meaningless. It's meaningless. How do we engage our hearts, John? I mean, how do these move from creedal statements and verbal professions and just simply behaviors to to a deep-hearted assumption, belief, faith, mm-hmm. intimacy mm-hmm. with God? Right, right. Well, we've been given an enormous gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. You, mm-hmm. you don't have to wonder what God's like. He mm-hmm. said, look, I... I'm going to make this absolutely clear. (laughs) Ta-da! Here I am. You know, let there be no further mistake about me. Right? And so um, read Jesus, love Jesus, get close to Jesus, chase after Jesus. I just think the more we can do that, the more it both surfaces our assumptions about God and corrects them. It's both. Because in Christ, we meet God. And again, I've just found that to be the most fascinating thing. This is so fascinating. And it's so revealing about the world is uh, I have neighbors who are very spiritual people and, and they fly uh, Buddhist prayer flags in their yard and, and they're really awesome people. They've been immensely kind to us. They've actually been there for us in some points of real need. We really genuinely enjoy these people. They're great people. But they are happy to talk about spirituality. They're happy to talk about God. They do not want to talk about Jesus. Jesus is massively disruptive. He's so specific. He's too specific, you know, that, again, that's surfacing assumptions. You know, we like a God who's distant. He doesn't intrude into our affairs. 
Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. We like a God that we think could be a woman. You know, yeah. God is coming and boy is she pissed as the bumper sticker goes. We like being able to kind of be creative in some of our thoughts about God. I think one of the most helpful things is just take the word God out of your vocabulary and insert Jesus. It's going to change everything. God's generic. God's safe. God's distant. God's vague. Uh-huh. God's a vacuum into which you can toss just about anything as a phrase, you yes, know, yes. as a word. But Jesus, so disruptive, so disruptive. And I think in every good way that we need him to be. Mm-hmm.